Hello. Welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast, where we discuss mindful movement through dance and through life. Welcome back to the podcast. Before we begin, I want to share that I started my life coaching business where I help people live their most authentic lives by inspiring compassion and focusing on their journey instead of the destination. If you are someone who wants to be living your life on your own terms and want more guidance, then this is for you. If you DM me on Instagram telling me you came from my podcast show, you will get a free 30-minute consultation as well as $10 off your first session. My Instagram is at justine.wang underscore, which along with other promotions will be included in the show notes. Thanks for listening through this. Now let's learn a little bit more about our guest. On today's episode of the podcast, I have a conversation with Giselle Andrin, who I met through ACA back in my collegiate years, and he's somebody who has since made a transition into being a director of photography, so I was trying to understand a little bit more about dance films versus just a dance concept video. Giselle was able to provide a lot of new insights and I feel like I really gained a new appreciation for film in general. So thank you so much, Giselle. Before I begin, here's a little bit of background about Giselle. Giselle is a director of photography based in the greater Los Angeles area. Merging his extensive background in dance choreography with his professional filmmaking career, he brings a unique visual approach to his cinematography and movement direction. He believes in pushing artistic boundaries and values the power of sharing the human experience. You can find him on Instagram at GiselleAndrin underscore. That is J-U-C-E-L-A-N-D-R-I-N underscore. And you can find all of this information in the show's notes. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get right into it. Hello, welcome to Mind and Movement, the podcast. I'm your host, Justine Wang. And today I am speaking with Giselle Andrin. So go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your background. Hello, uh, my name is Giselle Andrian. Uh, I'm also known as Juice, if you've ever met me, um, whether it's like in a dance class or just wherever. Um, I'm a director of photography based out here in Los Angeles, um, and I also have an extensive background with dance. Um, I used to dance uh, in a collegiate team called ACA, uh, which was based in UCLA. Um, and then after I, I like taught at different studios like Snow Globe and like Kinja's Dojo for a little bit. Um, but currently I'm still dancing, but currently emphasizing, um, my career as a director of photography or, or DP, um, out here in LA. Yes. Okay. So I mostly knew you as a dancer. So kind of like walk me through like how you got into dancing and then how that pivoted into doing videography or filmography now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My transition from dance into cinematography was an interesting one. Um, I, so I started dancing in, well, actually in middle school, um, as like a B-boy because everyone in, you know, like that circle of friends that I had was starting mm -hmm. to get breaking. Um, YouTube was a big thing and just kind of learning about dance through that space. And then, uh, when I got to high school, um, so I did breaking for like a long bit. I was like a super diehard. Like I wanted to be like in Red Bull PC one. Um, I never knew then, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really, I really did. I, I would like train for like an hour or two every day, like after, after school going home. Um, and then I found this world of choreography through, uh, when, once I started high school. So in high school, 
I was part of this urban dance club. It was my first time seeing breakers of that level who could do all the tricks that, um, and like, like power moves, like that you would see on like YouTube videos. And I was like even more entranced with this breaking world. And then there is this, there was this class, essentially it was like what would be a dance team, but it's not. That was my first introduction into like choreography. And then I forgot who was teaching, but I remember trying to learn and my pickup game was trash. <laughs> um, it was so difficult to follow movement because with, with breaking up to that point, I was just like doing my own thing. It was about being your own self and trying to like do something that somebody else couldn't. Right. And then right. um, battle scene, battle culture. But this was like uniformity and having to like be clean. And yeah, I, I it was such an interesting thing. And I got my butt whooped. Definitely. I, I struggled a lot. Um yeah, I, I wish I recorded that first class, but I was, yeah, that was, that was quite the experience. I came, I went home and I was like, man, I'm so defeated. Um, but I, I think that was like, I guess that feeling of defeat was like, no, I can't give up. Like I, I really need to get good at this. So after that, the class didn't compete, but what they did have was like shows at the end of the year. And mm-hmm. so that was like pretty much what you were prepping for. Mm-hmm. I think I got to learn this choreo scene and then, um, from that, uh, people in that group were part of a dance team based out in uh, I think Burbank at the time, um, but it was called Rooks. And so Rooks was a junior dance team that was in like the community circuit. And that was my first introduction into like that world, mm. like uh, teams like Eminon, um, TM Juniors, um, Cobra Kids. I was like, this is insane. And so like, I think that paired with the YouTube culture of like, you'd watch all your heroes. Like, well, my heroes were, were like Sean Risto, Pat Cruz. It was like that era where like most wanted crew, like, et cetera. Um, that paired with like media and television, right? Like mm-hmm. ABDC, mm-hmm. Um, all these shows, World of Dance. Um, but the craziest thing too, is the reason I got into breaking was because of Step Up 2, like the movie. Yes. So, one directed by John M. Chu. And so I was like, because before that, was I'll take it a, a little further back. And I think I talked about this last time too, when we had like our like initial call, but um, I got into dance because before dance was actually music. And so I was, I started with the piano, did that for two years. Didn't really like it. Did it because, you know, parents right. asked me to like do something creative and learn. Right. Um, so the piano didn't like it. And then I moved on to violin. Um, that was pretty funny because I got into doing violin because of, a movie that Hillary Duff was in. I don't know if you remember this one, but it was like a she she goes to like this music school and no. she kills it. No, okay, damn. Um, I have to find it, but it was funny because there was this like person in the program in that movie that did like violin and she was like shredding this like electric violin. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck, that's so cool. <laughs> but yeah, so then that I was like, eh, I kind of don't like it. I did that for two, three years, and then I found drums. My drums I fell in love with full force because of the movie Drumline with Nick Cannon. And so, um, that one was insane because it was like, kind of like battling in the way that movie where like these drum lines would compete against each other. Right. But then also like the idea of using their instruments to like create that type of like mm-hmm. feeling and atmosphere was insane. Mm-hmm. Um, like all the rudiments that you would have for like, whether it's like a bass, uh, bass drums or like the snares. And then after that, I, I got into like doing drum set. And so that was the movie that got me into wanting to get into percussion. And then, so I did drums for like five to six years. Yeah. I, I think like music was such a big part of my life. Mm. Um, it made me feel things and understand things in a way that I hadn't experienced before. I guess maybe that's kind of where I started to understand that like art is like, there's something creative out there. It's not just like 
the stuff you're taught in school. It's like, I think there is something very powerful about like art and music was one of those facets. And so growing up, like through the stages of like, just not really understanding what the music was like, I, you know, like when LimeWire was a thing, I think definitely. Oh, <laughs> I've never heard anybody well, mention that in a long time. Yeah. LimeWire was the best, but right. like also like so sketchy at the same time. Right. But I remember just like, like, you know, downloading music from there and like, you know, being like 11 or 12, like 50 cent candy shop. And you're like, Oh, this feels cool. But then when I didn't really understand what the lyrics meant, right. but like, music was cool. Right. But yeah. So like, I think music was definitely like the first introduction to like feeling like understanding, like feeling right. Um, I think also being a first generation Asian American, mm-hmm. um, I think that really helped me understand who I was too, because you know, my parents are very much, they immigrated here from the Philippines. And so being raised in a, thankfully like an affluent enough neighborhood, I was able to kind of see both spectrums of the struggle of poverty and also the riches of, you know, quote unquote, like the American dream or whatever, or living mm-hmm. in like California, Los Angeles, but it allowed me to understand who I was, because I think when you're facing that duality, and I think with many things that we are a part of, that duality of like, who am I yep. and what am I? Right. Yep. Um, and I think that was such a big reason for discovery uh, or, or big, I guess, like desire to like understand more about myself. Um, yeah. So like music and then um, getting into like watching movies, like step up to, and then after that started getting introduced to like dance stuff, right. Like mm-hmm. watching step up to as funny as it is, like it really did. And invigorate me to want to learn how to do those like tricks and stuff that you would see in the movies like power moves and, and all this and um so yeah and then I did breaking for a while and then um yeah so that, I I think I went back here to talk about music so I could explain that music was yep. linked to step up two and then step up two understanding how that excitement felt inside and then moving into choreo scene um yeah and then so I got into the community circuit as you know on a junior team called rooks um and yeah, after that, um, my people on that team, so I did that for like a year and a half and then people on that team, uh, were part of a team called ACA. And so mm-hmm. at that time, uh, my senior year of high school, I decided I wanted to become a nurse. And so I applied for nursing schools like all over. Um, and I think a large part of that was because a lot of my family's in healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, Filipino, yep. typical, you know, <laughs> Filipino passion. Um, but healthcare was such a big thing for my family. And they were like, okay, it's time, you know, dancing school and all of it. Like you got to focus on your career. And I was like, yeah, I guess so. I guess it's time to grow up. And so my school that I got into is Mount St. Mary's university. Um, this small private, um, university based out mm. in Brentwood, which was really close to, um, Westwood. That's the reason why my friends were like, oh, you should audition. I think that like you would have a good time. And so when I started school, uh, when I started at university at Mount St. Mary's, I auditioned for ACA and then, um, thankfully got in. And then, um, during that time, um, I actually didn't follow through with becoming a nurse. So during my career on ACA, uh, it was about my second year where I was like, nursing is cool. Um, but also very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. And so I still didn't feel that sense of fulfillment because all this time growing up, I was expecting you know, everything that was like, okay, um, go to finish high school, go to college, get your degree. And then like, you'll be happy. But I, I still didn't feel fulfilled at all. And, um, I think 
oddly enough, I felt like there were a lot of things that pushed me out of that um, path to become a nurse because it was very fulfilling in many ways. But at the same time, I really loved dance. Like I would find myself in class, like, you know, whether it's like microbio or like human anatomy, like, you know, or like prepping for all these like nursing courses, but it's like, I was thinking about dance like constantly. Yeah. And yeah. So eventually like I left that school and then I was like, okay, for a year, I was like, I don't know what to do. Like, I, I really don't know what I want to do. My roommate suggested I do this anthropology degree. Yeah. And at that point I was like, I just need to get a degree so I can get out of school and just yep. figure out what I want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Then after that, I got into Cal State LA, this is where I studied anthropology. And then like my senior year of college there, I realized I fell in love with like film. And during that whole time too, I was still dancing on ACA. And so this whole transition of having to leave the university where I was studying nursing to community college, just trying to figure out what it, how to pivot in a year and then getting into another university to study a different major, which is anthropology. Um, but then knowing that that wasn't really what I wanted to do, I was just trying to get the degree and then somehow like landed with this interest in video. And mm. there was a brief period of time because like we're getting ready to graduate. I was like, I still really don't know what I want to do. And I think like looking back, it all made sense that I had this interest in media entertainment because like during that period of dancing on ACA, um, as a choreographer at the side, I really wanted to teach. I thought that was the thing I wanted to do. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to just try to teach. And I think that's like where dance is serving me right now. So I was like really trying to like make that a thing. Um, but part of that is also like everyone was dropping all these like content videos and I was like, okay, cool. Like I didn't really understand like the fun, like the reason why people would make them. I I made a ton of them like way back when, and I would just hit up my like filmmaker friends, like, yo, like let's film something. Like I I have this idea. Um, That whole process Mm -hmm. um, really taught me about like creative direction. Like, albeit like, you know, I don't think they were good at by any means, like the stuff I was making was not good, Um, but I thought it was good at the time. But I think there was also like a barrier to like understand like how to make them, because I think thinking back on like why I wanted to make them was that desire to to just feel understood Mm. because that's what dance was for me. Right. Like feeling understood. I wanted music was that for me, like I, I feel something. And so. Uh, returning back to like that last year of school where I decided I want to do media and entertainment. I was like, okay, it's kind of too late to like leave and just like try to f- go to film school or whatever. I was like, I'll just finish this um, try to do internships. And so I applied for a bunch of internships, um, got one really interesting one where it was like a pre-production internship where I was working for this, like, uh, I guess it's like this production house where like they take scripts and then like they see which ones are good enough to go into production for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a kid um, that like did this for like no pay just cause I was like, okay, I just need to like learn. It was like, that was the listing. It was like, okay, in exchange for knowledge, like sure. This sounds cool. But I would make like sizzle reels, which is like essentially taking a script and pulling other like footage from like other movies or like whatever to like paint a picture of like what this movie would look like in 30 seconds. And so that was a really cool thing where I was like, okay, this is kind of cool. Like editing, like that's cool. But it still wasn't like fulfilling, right? And at the same time, I was still making like dance videos during this time too, right? Like as I'm just trying to finish school. And the interesting thing was like, every time I would work on a dance video, like it didn't feel the way I saw it in my head. Uh-huh. Like I would I would hit up my friends to like film things. And then um, when it, the product was finished, um, it didn't 
align with like what I had in my head and it wasn't their fault. Right. Like it wasn't, right. it was definitely like there was something going on with the ideation process and just focusing on like film for a little bit really taught me the language, which was keeping me from like entering the space of like creating the things that I wanted to with like dance. So, yeah. So did the internship. I left like literally two months in because I was like, you're just using me for work. And I'm like, right. not really learning anything. Um, Cause I, like, otherwise I, I was just all self-taught. Like I just like learned a lot of stuff on like YouTube and like, just tried to like figure it out on my own. Um, but then thankfully, like my friends who did, I made friends who did film. And so they kind of taught me and I learned through there. And then the biggest thing that really allowed me to enter this film industry, you know, from not going to film school was um, this internship I landed for a mixture motion picture lighting company right when I graduated. And so I graduated, I tried to do freelance for like a couple months, but there were so many missing pieces to like having that be successful. And I'm glad that like I failed in that way. And so I think the winter of 2019, I landed a, uh, internship at, um, a motion picture lighting company working with them. Uh, I got to like really understand like the fundamentals of like cinematography, essentially what this internship gave me was film school. I got paid to learn. And so I was brought on as an intern to just kind of create content for this, you know, brand. Um, but then it eventually moved into, um, full-time. And I did that for like, I was probably there for like two years. And this full-time position where I uh, moved up after the internship was uh, to create a web, produce and shoot and edit a web series that literally talked about lighting concepts. So our host is a, the host would be like a DP that works in the industry. Mm -hmm. And so what I would do is I would follow them around and like we would produce shoots that they would teach concepts through creating like a look or like taking like a I guess like, like the step-by-step process, um, just kind of breaking down, like, how do you create an image that you see from a movie? Um, and so this industry gave me the knowledge that I needed to like excel in this industry. And so through that, I also like built like a lot of, um, like a community of filmmaker friends and just kind of expanded my knowledge. And so I did that for two years and then, um, resigned. And so I've been pretty much doing freelance for, almost a year now. And so, um, it's been really cool. Like I, I'm very thankful for what knowledge this internship and that full-time career gave me. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think I wanted to do more as a director of photography. And I knew that I wasn't going to get that by just staying there. I, I feel like it's just kind of been this path that's been kind of prepped for me. And so why that's important for me, this switch where I started to emphasize and, and spend more of my brain power on like understanding film Mm -hmm. um, was because I could bring it back for dance and not dance video, but dance film. Mm -hmm. And going back to that story of, you know, making concept videos, like with my filmmaker friends, the missing piece was that I didn't have the language to explain like how I was feeling because like dance, like with textures, speed changes, blocking formations, there's so many parallels with that in film. I have a better idea of how to technically execute something for an emotional response that like will work every single time. Like how you shape light, how you frame something up, how something feels. It's, it's, there's so many parallels and I think that's why I fell in love with film. If you've enjoyed the podcast so far, please give it a rating on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. 
and you can find me at justine.wang underscore or at mind.in.movement and you can find Giselle at giselleandrin underscore on Instagram. Let's break down like a bunch of things that you said in there because I think yes. there's like there's a lot of things like you like lightly touched on. Mm-hmm. Um, so for you, um, and I think that's something we've talked about before, but mm-hmm. what is the difference between a dance video and a dance film? Mm. I think the difference between dance video and dance film is the approach and like the visual language and the style um, and story. Um, what I mean by that is when you set something for stage, when you perform, whether it's like competition or exhibition for a stage, right? Mm-hmm. There's an audience watching you on a stage. And so when you film the video, it's like everything is catered to like an audience for a performance, right? But I think narrative style dance films, um, the idea is you're breaking away from the idea of making something for stage and more so a story. Like when you watch a movie, the characters aren't performing for an audience necessarily. They're in their own world. They don't know that we exist. Mm. And I think that's what makes watching movies so interesting is because you're there and the way they craft the camera movement and the lighting makes you feel like you're watching their world, but they don't know we're there. So like it kind of creates this like sense of like magic, I think, where it's like this whole like space is so vivid and like you you can feel the textures of like the room these actors are in right and like what does the air smell like yeah you can kind of smell that from like a 2d like projection Mm -hmm. on the screen right or like Mm -hmm. from a tv it's it's all 2d made to look 3d and um i think the difference between dance video and dance film is the idea of breaking away from setting something for a stage and capturing it like it would be on a stage and setting it more for like what does it look like to be immersed in this world Mm -hmm. and Within that, there's so many facets, like technical facets um, and like levels of like quote unquote production, right? Like mm-hmm. I think something can still look and have very high production value that which the industry makes that is designed and filmed for something like stage, right? Like when you think of like music videos, the way it's filmed, like it's like a huge set, like a lot of money put into production, but it's still filmed with the preconception of this is what it would, it feels like to watch something on stage versus something that's more like, immersed in like a story in this in a, in a world how do you um how do you do that <laughs> how do you get <laughs> like technically like how do you get shift away from that like i'm creating for an audience mm. into like an immersion of the world mm-hmm. like how are you able to do that in a dance film yeah i think that there are a lot of people doing it out right now and like doing their own versions and like developing their own styles within this art form of like dance film Mm-hmm. Like I think, um, like on Instagram, there's this account called, uh, I think it's called films.dance or something, but they bring in like production people to create like their own like versions of like, I guess like what would be considered like dance film esque things. Right. Or like, um, I think something, some like another entity in the space, like project home is doing something really great. Right. Where it's like, it's not just the, the pushing the boundaries of like, what does dance film look like? Um, but I think. Uh, for me and like the methods that I'm trying to figure out, because I still don't have an answer to be quite honest. It's such a, it's it's such a budding, like Mm -hmm. new, like genre, um, like screen dance, like the thing that's bridging dance and film. Cause like both mediums like separately are so powerful, but then when you bring it together, it's like, what does that look like? And I, I I honestly think it's still being formed. Mm -hmm. Um, 
oh, another great person to like watch out for Daniel Cloud Campos is like so big. Right. Um, but like the way he uses movement dance and he's just very animated in general, his ideas are so, um, like revolve around like narrative and like story in that way. And it, it's very like refreshing. Um, okay. So part two of me trying to separate this apart of everything you just said, right. um, you know how you said like within dancing, there's like textures and, mm -hmm. you know, rhythm, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever, like what is, what are those elements within film? Yeah, I think, um, I think the biggest things, like the biggest parallels that I've, I've seen, um, in the film space is like, like quality. I think it's like, like when you watch a movie, I think for me, I've, I was always so curious, like, how, why does it make me feel this way? Like, how does it look so like, there's so much emotion that they put into like their frames and like these visuals. And a lot of it that I learned is from like the way you shape light and like the textures of light. Right. Um, when I was in my, uh, when I was working for that motion picture lighting company, because we were producing the web series, um, the web series, I didn't explain or like dive into it, but the web series was literally about lighting concepts mm -hmm. and cinema. And so like, I didn't realize how powerful it is. Like you can shape light, like with like different materials, like you can shoot light through materials. You can bounce light off materials. You can change the directionality of where light goes. And so like with the right combination, it's almost kind of like you're painting. Like, honestly, mm. like the way I, view, the way I view it is like with lighting, it's like you're painting. It's like, there's so many technical things that I could dive into in terms of like, um, like exposure and like, you know, like ratios and stuff. But I think when it comes down to it, I think lighting is one of those things where it's like there, you can create texture and with the texture and the way you use lighting and the way you shape it, the way you direct it, the way you kind of allow it to be in this space, you kind of also can create atmosphere. And so I think the same thing with dance, it's like, whether it's the blocking, you know, the formations, the, the textures you use in your movement, the song choice, um, the way you accompany the movement and, and the thought process to create something that you feel like matches that like harmoniously to create feeling is like, honestly, the same thing with like film and, and lighting in that way. Um, I also think like camera lenses is something that is very interesting because the way in which the, the focal length, the T-stop, which is like, um, otherwise known as like aperture, but like in uh, like a lot of the cinema lenses are used T-stop or, or maybe your viewers might know like F-stop. Um, the way, the, the choice you make allows you to have different like depth in your frame. The lens choice you have allows you to create different compositions and a certain feeling because each one has a different characteristic. So the same thing, like when you're on stage, I feel like with dance, like when you try to create a moment and you're like blocking, or like if you trying to create like, um, like a grand vision of things like where maybe someone upstage goes down and someone downstage comes up, you're changing where your attention goes. And so the same thing with film mm -hmm. is that you direct where you want your viewer to look. And that can be a really powerful tool for storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. This always gives me like an appreciation because I'm just like, whoa, like people really created like whole worlds for people to watch. Yes. That's wild. Isn't it crazy? And even like set design in film, like when there's like also set design that happens like for dance, like competitions or like exhibitions, like people bring props on stage. That is also like, helping paint the world right like yeah you know i think it's very interesting um 
trying to think of other stuff. Yeah. Like never um, thought about any of this in this way. Yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah. like, dance is cool. We do a couple yeah. moves. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And I think the interesting thing is like theater is and musicals are actually kind of a good middle ground too between dance and performance uh, and just like kind of like theatrics. Um, mm. I think there's still a difference though between like theater and like narrative, like the narrative world in that way. Um, but it's all really strong in terms of like storytelling. And I think performance is also one that I still, I'm trying to understand too, of like, how does, how performance impacts how something feels, if that mm. makes sense. Um, performance as in like overall or like a show or like, yeah, like, like when you think of a phenomenal like actor, actress, right. Oh. You don't think of like, like, for example, I don't know, like maybe Zendaya, right. Like when mm-hmm. you, when you watch her as in like euphoria, mm-hmm. I don't think of Zendaya. I think of her as Rue, this character mm. and the way she performs is so captivating. And I think the choices of what's said, where her eyes go and the way the, the camera and lighting dances around that creates this world and i think it's the same thing for like performance and dance like the way in which you your choices and like your expression really can change how something feels and um yeah it's 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 very interesting yeah yeah i feel like i've never thought about like dance so much as like a performance but it makes sense that some people are like are so different from their dance personas you Mm -hmm. know it's kind of wild yeah. Okay. Pivoting from the dance and filming, because I do mm-hmm. want to talk about your passions and making that into a job. Mm-hmm. Um, how you do that? <laughs> how, you, how you do that? Um, yeah, that's something I wish I could like be like, I've lived it, but I think um, I'm currently living it, but I'm also still trying to figure it out. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But when I take like a, when I take a step back, in terms of like what I view money as, or like what I think, cause like growing up, right. Like money is kind of like the thing it's like social currency. It's like what allows you to live in this world. Right. But I think that also like, if that's all you chase, then you're going to lose it like right away. Cause money is kind of like energy almost, right. Like it's supposed to come and go. Um, I think like when I, when I view money, I think, I think I view of money as like an exchange of value or an exchange of like services. Um, and then I think of like, what value do I provide from a, like from a grand perspective, like, right. Like, Oh, like, you know, like maybe someone gives great, great advice or like someone's like a great listener or like is able to, I don't know, think, think of creative solutions or like I'm, I'm good at X, Y, Z or whatever. Right. Um, I think identifying like what value um, is held within the creative things that we are like so passionate about, like as artists, as creatives, mm-hmm. um, what is it that we're good at? Like, um, I don't know for you example, Justine, like, <laughs> you know, coaching or like life coaching or like mentorship, that's something that holds a lot of value. And I think that like within those like general overview of like what that value holds, there's so many like little niches that can come from it, that you can focus in that I think that could bring money. Right. Um, and only, and again, like it's not that money is that thing we're chasing. I think it's like the freedom that money provides that you can do things that you care about. I love that. Um, Yeah. I feel like so many of us have this like negative feeling when it comes to like talking about money or like Mm -hmm. even like having money feels Mm -hmm. 
weird to us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've never really heard like, oh, money is like a like a social exchange, energy exchange of mm-hmm. like our values. Yeah. But then the question becomes like, how do you put a monetary value on yourself? Mm. I think like uh, experience, knowledge. And I think uh, there was this one book I read. Uh, it was Seth Godin. I think it was Seth, Seth Godin. And his, his book, he has a book called uh, The Lynchpin. Okay. And this talks about like, I think in many ways, it's not only just for like the corporate setting, but he was talking specifically about like working for like a company where it's like, if you get so good at doing one thing that like, it's hard for them to replace you. Mm. And like, if they pull you, then it like will greatly affect them. Right. And so that got me thinking about value of like, what, what is the one thing that as a creative, as an artist that you do so well, that kind of is like really unique to you. I think then like the demand for like what you do, like skyrockets. Mm. Um, so that's, that's one, I think that's one way. What's, what is your, um, what is that thing for you? I'm just uh, curious. I think the one thing that I have come to like realize in this point of time, like maybe it might, like my change as I, I get older, or like as, as life goes on. But I think one thing I'm really good at is I, I'm really good at understanding how something feels and when someone wants that to come out, right. Like, or once if someone needs to like have something like look a certain way or feel a certain way, being able to take, know that like, I I have the knowledge and like technical like background to like execute that Mm -hmm. and recreate that. Like, how do you, I don't know, like, how do you show someone like on in a frame and make them look sad? Like, how do you make them look like, they just went through something or like, maybe like, how do you make them feel like confused or like, how do you make them feel like they're so ecstatically happy? Like, how does, how do you make that look like on frame? And I think right now that's the value I hold is that I, I understand, I can understand how something feels and then I can go to the drawing board of like, this is what we'll need to like, make this look um, like that. Love um, like that. A, yeah. Like in a visual format, I, I guess I'm talking more specifically for like film, right? Maybe right. In the film industry. Um, but I think like to the core, I think it's just that is like, I, I think I'm good at feeling and getting other people to understand that feeling. Um, Amazing. Yeah. I, I, I would that like to say so. Definitely a superpower. Yeah. Um, two part question. And then we'll wrap mm-hmm. this up in a bit greatest reward of doing your passion as your job and greatest challenge of doing your passion as your job? <laughs> the greatest, uh, the first question is greatest reward. Um, mm-hmm. reward. Mm-hmm. And I think the greatest reward I get is that I, f- I feel through the process of being able to land something where it's like when, w- once the job is done, right. Like when you look at it, you're like, wow, that's what I feel like inside that is really inspiring for me. Cause then it's like, I feel in line and I'm not explaining it. I feel like I'm in alignment with like myself and like the world around me and like the universe, right? Like, I, I feel uh-huh. like it's so sick. Like, I don't know, like I when you that. listen to music, right? Like when you listen to music, like maybe it's like a track that you really like. And like, there's a certain way you feel inside. Once you spit out like something and like maybe like a choreographer, like uh, in a choreography sense, like you watch it back, you're like, I feel that's kind of what I feel like inside. Or like when you watch a performance, I'm like, that's kind of how I feel like inside. 
that, that feeling of like understanding is so like precious to me. Um, uh-huh. you know, I, I, I wish I could just like live off of that feeling, right? Like to, <laughs> yes. but like, I think I it's something that. that does help, um, in other avenues and like kind of transcends into those spaces where it allow me, allows me to like continue to do this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then greatest challenge challenge honestly is turning off my mind. Like sometimes I want to be able to rest and just like stop doing something. Right. But I always feel like I have to be doing something and like constantly striving. Um, I think that's something I've been trying to work on actively is Mm -hmm. like, just trying to like, it's okay. I, I don't have to be doing something right now. Or like, just because that's not happening doesn't mean I have to like keep chugging at it. Cause I feel like sometimes if you force it, it it kind of doesn't happen. Right. And then like, when you let it go, uh, funny enough it kind of comes to you yeah I kind of hate that huh <laughs> yeah I, yeah <laughs> as someone who's overly ambitious and thinking about everything all the time I totally yes. feel you there yes yeah um I think I think you really tapped on something beyond dancing and filming which is like art in it art in it of itself yes you know is mm-hmm. that like that feeling that you get when you watch mm-hmm. or experience art mm-hmm. Um, and I also think that is something that I would like to pull on a little bit. Um, let's do it. So like, I don't know, like, I feel like it's hard to like put it into words, Mm -hmm. right. Cause, cause it's a feeling, Mm -hmm. um, what would you say? Um, because I'm just curious, the greatest Mm -hmm. like dance piece recently that like, hit you in your heart (laughs) that's a really terrible question but a worded question but I do want to know like what was that last time you like watched something um I guess it doesn't have to be dancing but be nice if it was a dancing thing Mm. that like hit you there I have something that is I, I would consider it like movement okay um and I think that there's something so special about it but um there, oh, actually, well, there are two things. Um, I got to find the reference for the other one because I don't know, like, the title or, like, who worked on it. Okay. Um, but I guess the, the I'll, I guess I'll just leave that out. But, like, the main one recently that I've seen that, like, really hit home for me that involved movement or, like, that idea of, like, movement in performance Um it's kind of a spoiler. This is a spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched Euphoria yet. Uh, season two. I have not, but go ahead. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. Is go it ahead. okay? A spoiler for yeah, you? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I got, I had to ask. Um, I think the cool thing was there was an, a scene um, where Rue, uh, Zendaya, yes. where Rue takes like the, takes like this drug that's like, just that gets her like off the top of her head and just like, lost in this world right so she takes it in her room and then she's like really like messed up and she starts to get up and then she starts walking right like they, they paint the picture that this is in her room but then she walks and then you see a doorway and the doorway leads into this church and this like really grand church with like these white walls um just very grand and she walks towards like in the middle of the highway and you see like someone singing and it's the artist who like actually made the song Labyrinth. And I think Labyrinth is an incredible musician artist who has tapped into something so amazing mm-hmm. in terms of like feeling 
that I just, I'm such a big fan, but essentially like she walks in and she sees everyone like around her, like her community, but like in like sitting in the pews, right? Like, or like a, in the, the columns or like the rows of seats. And she continues to walk towards the, like, um, towards like the front of the, oh, the altar, towards the altar, like where, the, where they're all um, like kind of gathered around. But Labyrinth is singing and she keeps walking towards him, but then she keeps looking at the people like around her. Um, of course, it's like a figment of her imagination because she's like, like drugged, right? But like they're all sitting there and she, she kind of like looks at them, but disregards them and keeps going. And it's almost kind of like symbolically like leaving them behind, right? Mm-hmm. And then by the time she gets to the front of the altar, Labyrinth, the, the singer, she, he's been singing the whole time. It's kind of like church choir almost. Okay. So you kind of don't feel like it, it's not, you're in your mind, you don't disconnect that like, oh, that's, that's Labyrinth singing. But it's kind of like part of this world. Like you, you would see that in a church. You would see someone singing, right? Okay. So she, she keeps walking and then she like hugs him and he's still singing and like she's like, um, they embrace and like they're just kind of like swaying side to side and like moving with this, right? Okay. And as the camera starts to go around her and him hugging, we start to see flashbacks of her and her dad. And you start to realize that the reason why she like does drugs is to escape and meet her dad that passed away. And so like, as they're dancing and I, I, I think it's like very gestural actually, right? Like it's a like performance of like singing, both the movement of them, like moving around, but like the quick cutaways to like her embracing her father oh. no longer exists. I was like, bruh, that's <laughs> insane. There's so many layers to that. Like to the, to the regular eye, it's like, based on the story it's already so impressive right it's like oh i get it like it's her and her father meeting in this place of like what i don't know maybe it's like a heaven or whatever this place is right um but it's like this is her only way to get to meet him and this is why she's so attached to like drugs but then for on the the many layers is like one you just had someone singing the actual artist singing in the frame and you don't feel like it's a music video it feels like he's part of the story. Mm. He feels like he's a character. That's Mm. one. And it's just so seamless. And then two, it's like the idea of performance, like he's singing, but it feels like it's part of the narrative. So it's like, it was just, there's just so many layers to it. That was like, how the fuck? Like, I feel like there's so many things there that I took where I was like, wow, this could definitely be taken into like creating dance films and like idea of storytelling. It's like, how would that, look like and i think that like there's probably things that we've seen right like that that do that in the dance world but i think that's one thing that involved movement just surely that was like this is incredible you definitely give me a newfound appreciation for euphoria because i was like these teenagers doing this like it's so (laughs) unrealistic but now i'm like oh i actually like want to watch it after talking to you yeah no it's it's great i i mean um (laughs) it's very like it's very crude Yes, I think that's a great word word for it. It's very um, intense and very. I think the the difference between how season one looks is very digital. Season two looks very film. Interesting. But the reason why they did that is like season one is supposed to feel like like what is actually happening in real time, and then season two is supposed to feel like a distant memory. Um, and so you can, I think, like I remember watching like an interview with the director, like Sam Levinson. I think he said something like that. But it's like, 
the, the intentional and, and Marcel Rev, the cinematographer, who's one of my biggest idols. Um, but the choice to do that, um, you can, it's a stark difference in terms of look, but I think that's one reason why they did that. Um, mm-hmm. um, this is suddenly a dissection of euphoria, but <laughs> <laughs> moving forward, um, I'm going to ask, ask you these last rapid fire questions. Yes. Um, if you could sit down with anyone dead or alive to have a chat with them, who would it be? Oh man, I wish I could just riff it off. Yeah, um, yeah, top five. I, th- <laughs> um, I guess like right now, I think because I'm so interested in just like this like filmmaking space and trying to still develop my knowledge of like technical skills to execute an emotional response. Um, probably Marcel Rev, the guy who spearheaded um euphoria like the, mm. the lead dp um either him or rena yang uh rena yang is another like a uh, very well-known cinematographer and she her the way she captures things is is crazy she actually shot an episode or two for euphoria season two so okay yeah. um what is one thing that people don't know about you that you wish they knew Ooh, i mean i feel like i let i shared a lot of like really I guess I haven't, I, the stuff I shared today, like in the beginning, I don't think I've really shared like publicly in that way, I guess like maybe with friends, um, something that people don't know about me. Um, everybody just knows you so well. No, no. <laughs> Cause you're such an all. open book. <laughs> no. Um, I, I have a tattoo of a, broken down like camera diagram on my arm I, that's something that not all the people get to yo, see that is sick right what is like uh like a diagram yo okay like, see this is the part where i'm like i need a i need to have your headshot but like with the tattoo in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess well people will have to see it because they don't know much about yo, me that's enough, pretty but, cool but yeah Dang. so i this is my um this is a canon ae1 it was my first ever film camera that i got in college i don't have it anymore but i at the time I was transitioning, was going through a lot of life changes um, and like my aunt passed away. But this was one of those ones where I was like, I just kind of want a diagram of the camera um, on my arm just to kind of like symbolize that like you have to break down things to like see things differently. So, yeah. So that, I guess that's something that not a lot of people get to see uh, or know about. So that's so that's great. Reasoning why. Yeah. That is so great. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, something in the future that you're currently excited about. Ooh. Um, honestly, I think I'm just excited to just see where life takes me. Like I never really, I never thought in, in, in my wildest dreams that I'd be doing what I'm doing now as like mm-hmm. a, like a DP director of photography or like cinematographer. Like I'm excited to, I think I know it will happen sometime in the future. I don't know when, but I'm excited to work on like a movie, like a feature film movie or like some movie that like, you know, gets played somewhere or like in a theater. Like, yes. oh, I just watched everything everywhere all at once. I need to watch it? that. Okay. It changed my life. Like I, I walked into that theater thinking it was going to be something, but it completely is something else. And it, it really changed my life. I, um, I think I, I'm excited for the moment that I'm able to work on a movie, um, like with the director with like such a great vision to like execute something like that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Making, I see making that. movies. Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing that you appreciate about yourself. Um, I appreciate how patient I am. Um, I think that like my patience threshold is very high, but I think when it's, when, when it, that 
that max is hit, I, I can, I kind of feel like I can probably just kind of, I start to feel a little agitated, but like, it takes a lot for me to get really frustrated, like really frustrated. I think patience. Love that. Um, and then a quote or affirmation that resonates with you. I think that changes often, Mm. but I think the biggest one for my life right now is that, um, everything out in the world and like the universe is here for you and you don't need anything else to like do what you want to do. Like the, the resources are out there. I think it's like, you have to just shift your perspective on how you're looking at things, but everything is here laid out for you already. Um, you just have to see it differently. Uh, yes. so I just, yeah. yeah. Thank you for your time. Okay. Well, first of all, I really appreciated that conversation because I really learned so much about filmography in general. I definitely view dance films with a new lens as well as movies as a whole. And if you haven't seen everything everywhere all at once, you definitely need to see it. It is definitely a masterpiece. So thank you so much for the recommendation. And thank you so much for taking your time to be on this podcast, Giselle. Also an update, I know I missed two uploads last two weeks, but it's been a really hectic time and I also got sick. So yeah, thank you so much for your patience and for sticking it out with me even until this point. And we'll be right on track the next couple of episodes, hopefully. (laughs) And thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next week.